Where did you go to school? And who is your daddy? What do you think of what's going on right now, mate? These evil little invisible parasites. Satan-worshipping Freemason morons. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're not run by factions. Get the fuck out of here! Welcome to the Conditional Release Program, a podcast that delves into the netherworld of cults, crims and con artists. I'm Jack the Insider, otherwise known as Peter Hoisted for tax purposes. And I'm Joel Hill, and in today's episode we are taking a long hard look at Russian political interference in the UK and ask whether it delivered a triumph for Putin in the 2016 Brexit referendum. Yes, Bojo's political epitaphs were written last week and no one in the mainstream media went even close to raising the question of black Russian money funding the Leave campaign that Bojo led six years ago. It's time we got that sorted out. And we've got Georgian idiots, fuckwits and subsets coming out of every orifice in today's conditional release program. And in what has become a weekly begging exercise, we must remind listeners that this kind of piss-funny tomfoolery ain't cheap and we ask you to help support the show. The conditional release program is free in dollar terms, but it does have a human cost on Joel who has been injected with homemade infenomens and I don't really like them very much. Oh. And he's been wheeled into the studio in a straitjacket. He's wriggling a lot now, but... Once the initial buzz settles, he should be fine. To help alleviate his pain, we have a Patreon set up with all manner of bonus content behind the paywall, which is our way of saying thank you. See, if you give us money, I can afford Xanax and I can counteract this agitated feeling yeah, I've got. The homemade stuff, he makes it in a it's bath. It's great. It's good shit. Oh, he's just a prude. And you can find your way to all that nonsense by going to patreon.com backslash the condition release program and making a small investment. You do have to give us money. You can't just visit the website. And we'd like to thank our existing patrons <laughs> who help us keep the show on the road and the new ones who have just entered our hearts forever. Recently, I mean forever, unless you cancel and well, fuck you, you're dead to us. <laughs> yeah, that's the way it goes. For as little as five bucks a month, you'll have access to all sorts of amazing content. So hit us up on the Patreon if you can. Yeah, thanks, guys. But that's enough of that. That's just sad. There is a lot to get through today. It's been busy. So let's kick it off right now with the Conditional Release Program's weekly news. It has been a huge month for conspiracy theorists who are hanging out desperately for a win. And the recent demolition of the Georgia Guidestones has been chalked up as a huge victory alongside the return of Q, which is a apparently a sign the Great Awakening is imminent. Mm. We're all going to figure These it out. These are portents. Portents. We're going to tell everyone that's wrong about everything how they were right about everything all along, which is what they are gagging for. But of course it's fucking not. Well, if they, and they also live in poor tents, which is another poor tent when you they, think about it, John. Yes, they are. Poor tents made of glad wrap. It's very sad. <laughs> so look, these people need something to go right for them. They've had an okay month. You know, mm. they've they've taken some rights away. But the vaccine hasn't quite killed us all yet. And time yeah. is ticking. Come on, guys. TikTok. Get on with it. And while they have decided to claim heart disease, which was, you know, the biggest killer before the pandemic was even a twinkle in a Wuhan bat's eye, it's still not enough to cover the completely absurd claim that everyone who got the jab was going to die within three years. Mm. But they need these small wins right now to keep the morale high, to keep things pumping. Smash those guys' stones, 
Q comes back. Feels good. Feels good. So the Georgia Guidestones themselves, for those who don't know what they are, John Oliver does an amazing episode on them. It's totally worth watching. But in the meantime, I'll give you the short version, which is the Guidestones are like a small-ish monument. You know, it's not Taj Mahal sized. It's, yeah, no. they're big, big stones, but they're not huge. Yeah. Made of granite in Georgia. And people just refer to it as basically America's Stonehenge. So you can kind of imagine what it is. Unless you know what Stonehenge is, which is very funny. But instead of like a mysterious construct made by ancient druids, it's actually just a few slabs of granite thrown (laughs) together by an anonymous rich guy in 1980 with some shit writing on it. They're not ancient. No, they're really not. They're America's form of ancient, which is over 20 years old. (laughs) (laughs) It's a, that's a, what is that a? An ancient structure. Yeah, it's not. Uh, for some reason, they believe that some kind of event was going to wipe out most of humanity, which is pretty reasonable belief during the Cold War, uh, to be fair, you know, mutually assured destruction and all that. And these stones were meant to act as a set of rules for building humanity back up, which included these 10 guidelines with some casual eugenics in there and just general, fairly boring shit about living with nature, maintaining justice in society. Blah, blah, Justice. blah. It's mm. very American. And it's all repeated in several languages, which is not very American because there's only one language that matters and that is American. But it's also meant to be a calendar, a clock a and a compass, which like it apparently doesn't really do those things though. So that's all right. That's hard. I wouldn't yeah. worry about it. It's like a pair of barter scouts, you know, but I bigger. I don't even know what that is. Is that- oh, scouts used to have a little compass in, in the sole. Ah, that's yeah. kind of cool. My watch has a compass, which I uh, I got after roaming the streets of Amsterdam, having no idea what way was up and down on the map full of gibberish. But dear, uh, dear. then phones got maps, and, well, I haven't used it much since. Yeah. So basically- You can't pick north in an environment, Joel. I pity you. Well, yeah, pity me. Go for it. I can't. No, I just I just point to it, and, and, and people go, that's not north. Here. Yes, it is. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that is the confidence of a yank. This is, this is perfect, because this is exactly the kind of thing this arsehole would have done, where he just basically had money and decided- to make this thing he, he would mm. point north and just be like that's the way because that's, that's, that must be north then that's that north. Is the american dream to just have that level of pointless banal confidence it's called the dunning-kruger effect and these guidestones became a tourist attraction and a fixation for conspiracy theorists who saw it as a symbol of the new world order because i mean yeah. all right cool yeah yeah, yeah well, i guess gotta, gotta, look, gotta, look, gotta look at something yeah, I mean, banal. So we covered the stones in the week in Peter Evans last year when Pete decided the sentence, this is a quote from the stones, maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature was in reference to how many people would be left after the jab killed us all. Why um, wouldn't it be? Well, yeah, 500 million, that's actually pretty good. It's a pretty good number. Uh, cool. So we're still waiting on that, Pedro. We're still yeah. waiting on that one to happen. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's yeah, it's, 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 you know, it's a matter of time. But anyway, that was a long walk to get to this point. Someone partially blew them up with a fairly impressive bomb, must say. It's on the video. And now they've been demolished for safety reasons with some big ass, you know, sort of cranes and shit. And cookers are celebrating. Yeah, this is very much like the Taliban. You know, this is Taliban like behavior, isn't it? It really is. And this is the thing that's so funny is because these fucking guys are the first people to get all pissy at Antifa for being like, no, you can't. Knock down that statue of that slave owner and that Confederate military asshole that like whipped black people. Yeah. But when it comes to satanic rocks, really no. for one. <laughs> Happy fucking days. So I don't really know why they think this is a win, but after, you know, women had their reproductive rights taken away and the Supreme Court decided basically anyone should be able to go to Maccas with a gun in their pants, they're on a roll. So I think they're going to take anything at this point and just chalk it up as a bit of a win because it's been a pretty dire few years of 
not going to Christmas for the QAnon types. So the guidelines, the guidestones have been defaced before in 2014. What did it say? Death to the new world order. Original. You will not succeed. It's all in caps, by the way. And Jesus will beat you. Satanist. <laughs> will, will Jesus beat you with like a stick or will Jesus uh, beat you like a defeat you? Uh, yeah, it's, it's just it's hard dumb. to know. Because Jesus, he's, you know, he's, he's not really like, he's not really into sort of flogging people, is he? No, he's not a violent guy. Couple of flogging, couple, couple of floggings himself, but oh, yeah, but yeah. Um, not really a not really a beater. He's a sucker for punishment, but he's not a giver. He's he's a taker. Mm. So these are the sort of like yeah, there are other slogans written in red spray paint, but it's like all banal bullshit. And after the vandalism, cameras were installed at the site, which captured the image of it basically just being par- or partially destroyed by the explosion, and it was a thumper. Now, despite the footage and the the car and the person on there, you can see it. <laughs> there no arrest to be made. a lot of incriminating evidence there. Oh, shitloads. And this is the thing, because there might be a good explanation for that as to who actually did it. This character is great. I love her. Failed Georgia gubernatorial primary candidate, oh, Candice Taylor. And gubernatorial primary candidate is basically just like running for the primary for running for governor. And she did not make it. We have a we have a fair bit of uh, gubernatorial stuff going on. Uh, gubernatorial primaries going on in Blackpool. Fuck with y'all. Oh, um, yes. But, so yeah. it, it basically means you can just put your hand up and say, I'm going to have a crack. Yeah, right? exactly. There's no real like filtering thing. It's like it's democracy. And then there's a primary process where you are selected as the uh, the Republican or indeed the Democrat candidate. So she exactly. just put her hand up for, for the primary um, and, uh, and didn't get very far. But this doesn't make her random fucking idiot Candace Taylor. This makes her gubernatorial primary candidate somehow giving her <laughs> some like legitimacy. No. Yeah, that's it. No. No, you just put your hand up and you got no fucking votes. So she suggested in a tweet that God had struck down the Guidestones. And yep. she God also and some promised. Detonators. Yep. Yeah, well, yeah, God. God loves homemade explosives. And <laughs> promised that she would demolish the stones if she was elected before the event. She's actually very funny, though. Her slogan was Jesus, guns, and babies. And her mm. promise, one of her main core promises, was to stand up to the Luciferian cabal. Yeah. Okay. And her website also claims that demolishing the Georgia Guidestones is executive order number 10. And this is what it says. For decades, the global Luciferian regime has seeped its way into our government, capitalized for some reason. They demoralized us with humiliation rituals as they tore down our historical monuments, persecuted our children, locked us down in our homes, and forced us into becoming walking science experiments through a global vaccination program. They erected statues spelling out the exact plans they had for us, and today we, the people of Georgia, say no more. It's time for us to return the favour. On my first day as governor of Georgia, I will move to demolish the demonic plans of our enemy. The satanic agenda is not welcome in our state. Mm-hmm. Support my fight by contributing. Hello. And watch as I turn the Georgia Guidestones into dust. But yeah. it's already happened. Well, that yeah, unfortunately, she's kind of lost her gimmick. But not only this, but I just realised this now. They demoralised us with humiliation rituals as they tore down our historical monuments. Yeah. That that's, is that's... the opening sentence to her declaration to tear down something. <laughs> that well, is well, not very historical, we before, but... We are talking about statues that were erected to, 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 to basically mythologise a bunch of people who attacked the US. 
US Army. Yeah, they were actually put up to fuck with black people. I mean, like, (sighs) these people are fucking scum. So, look, I'm just going to say right now, I've looked. There doesn't appear to be any other executive's orders on her website. So it seems like she's just kicking off at number 10. And it should be known that she has a PhD in counsellor education yeah. and has spent years as a school counsellor. She's baked as a fucking scone and she's giving kids advice on how to be sane. <laughs> the fuck? That'll work well. No, no, this is so bad. So I have no idea why she's considered a gubernatorial candidate either. And this is what I was saying before, man. All she did is run in a Republican primary. She got 3.5% of the vote. Oh, damn. But this is great. So she didn't take the loss well with Mike Lindell of MyPillow and absolute absolute proof. He was claiming that she was a victim of voter fraud and she was kicking and screaming as well. And there's just no evidence except for the fact that she reckons there were more volunteers that she had signed up than voters. But I'm guessing that volunteer list is actually an email list yeah. canvassed from a whole bunch she, of cookers from across the country. She could have got 3.6% of the vote or yeah. even 3.7. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's that typical sort of thing. It's almost like that dumbass thing of that Darren Bergworth guy who's like, bro, if you vote for me, text me your ballot and I'm going to like check that, all the texts, <laughs> with like, how many votes I get. And if I get more texts and votes, I'll know it's fraudulent. And it turns out, was it necessary, Dazza? Because mm-hmm. you didn't get many votes. No. But this is the thing, man. Like, I just, I fucking, this is a pet hate. It's a bit of a derail, but Yanks just love voting for office because then they become a candidate and they become legitimate and they sound more interesting than they actually are. And well, like, it happens know, here too, Joel. You know, it does, um, absolutely. It, it, but where you've got, I mean, we've just seen a bunch of cookers run as candidates and, oh, totally. and now they become known as, they can, as a candidate or a UAP candidate or an independent candidate for yeah. the seat of Isaac or whatever it is, you know. They won't be as uh, effective at uh, milking it as Americans are, like Laura Luma. You know, they, they do a really good job of milking Well, she's gubernatorial, so that is a it's step up. It's a great up. word too, so I'm very it happy with it. It's a fabulous word. Mm. But anyway, look, the Georgia Guidestones are dumb. Now they're gone. Don't give a shit. But I think it's very funny. While the community will suffer locally from the destruction because they were a tourist attraction and, you know, the local pie shops can have a shit of a time getting new customers, yeah. the Demolition Act is being considered like an act of domestic terrorism. Uh, which is interesting because they're not taking it well, but cookers are celebrating the downfall of a symbol that was just sort of vaguely linked to a bunch of conspiracy theories and considered satanic for no apparent reason. But, I mean, they needed a win. So, here we go. They got a win on their belt. Tough times for the kiosk outside the Georgia Guidestones, you know. It really is, you know, basically. Come see the gravel. Yeah, that's Um, it. Come see the dust. Come see the place where it used to be. But, uh, you know, what can you do? They only really care about cafes that are closed by pandemic measures and not uh, satanic monuments that they celebrate the explosions of. It's very sad. Today's episode of the Conditional Release Program is proudly brought to you by Brett Kavanaugh's uterus. <laughs> One previous owner only ever used to drive it to church on Sundays. Oh, low mileage. Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh's uterus knows things that you and I don't. Like when you're a college grad with a belly full of piss, Sheila's absolutely love you and want them to show you their uteruses, no matter how many times they say no. No means yes. We all know that. Justice Kavanaugh's uterus can't be scraped, prodded or pierced. Remember your manners. <laughs> Listeners, when a man and a woman who love each other very much decide to use Justice Kavanaugh's uterus, something magical happens, an egg is fertilised and cellular reproduction occurs. Ten minutes later, you've got a fully formed fetus with a heartbeat, a discerning mind, some booties and an amusing hat. Like one with the beer cans on the side and the straws <laughs> that go down to your mouth? I've always wanted one of those. 
Killing that sentient embryo inside Justice Kavanaugh's uterus will make Justice Kavanaugh's uterus sad. Can't have that. And that's why Brett Kavanaugh's banned it. Good. It's now a felony in Mississippi to fiddle about with Justice Kavanaugh's uterus. Nature is restored. So next time you've drunk too much and got a raging boner, help yourself to a uterus. If something goes wrong, well, that's woman stuff and none of your business. <laughs> Remember, Justice Kavanaugh's uterus says every embryo is sacred. It's only after they clamber out of the womb that you can rape and kill them. Oh, too true. I think one of the first things it says within the Constitution is all laws within all... within. And with the dulcet tones of walking constitutional go-getter, Thanos Paniedis <laughs> rattling at our eardrums, it means it's time for Which Black Pill Fuckwit Said That? The quiz show that points and laughs at the global fuckwit subset and asks, wouldn't it be better if we remove what passes for their brains with a can opener, a vegetable peeler, and a cricket bat? <laughs> and if you're successful in today's Which Black Pill Fuckwit Said That, Joel, you'll be date-raped by drunk Brett Kavanagh. Great. Don't worry, he's tiny. No girth. It's kind of why does it, actually. Oh, he's such a cunt. And we are going to be doing things a little differently today. Thanks to listener Philip or Molly, depending on how close you are to him. I call him Molly because we are mates. A friendship forged in black-pilled fuckwittery fire. But you can call him Philip or Phil or Mr. Molly at a pinch, job. Yeah. yeah. Molly watched the Republican Arizona gubernatorial primary There's and pointed out some A-grade fuckwittery from the candidates. And it got me inspired to check it out on YouTube, which I did, but felt like vomiting within three minutes and had to turn it off. Mm. You see, current Arizona Republican Governor Doug Ducey is term limited. So it means a bunch of fresh-faced Trumpers oh, drooling no. to get a little frontier justice done to anyone they don't like. Mm. No. And that means like foreigns, gays. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and pretty much everyone else who isn't a fetus. Yeah, exactly. But as you said, once you're born, game off. That's it. <laughs> no protections just- for you. I'm sorry. Do you want some food? Oh, I'm sorry. Were you sexually assaulted? Don't care. So our quotes today, Joel, because we are doing it a little differently today, are all taken from a primary debate beamed live to the good people of Arizona. We would call them the lucky ones. Oh, my God. Really, though? So who from the Arizona Republican Party, which is code word for fuckwit, albeit a very special type of fuckwit. A very special type of fuckwit. In the gubernatorial primary debate said this. Jesus. Well, we'll go on with we'll, we'll get on with the quotes in a minute, but I have to introduce the four candidates to you, Joel. None of them are household names, uh, not even in Arizona, as it turns out. I'm going to just say this quickly, though. I'm so surprised that Arizona turned out to be the most cooked state in the US. It's a weird thing. It's just sort of happened over the past few years. It's like a sort of like a side effect of Trump and MAGA movement, but they're fucked in the head. Yeah, I don't know. It's up there. I don't know. Oh my god! I, I don't think know if I agree worst. with it. Louisiana's oh man, the the recount with the the cyber ninjas. You've got fucking Ron Watkins running for office in there, just causing all sorts of trouble. Yeah. I would say the most cooked shit I've seen from the US is coming from Arizona, which oh, is you, you've got yeah you've got some real crazy running around in the, in the politics there. So Fucked the up. four gubernatorial candidates are firstly one Kari Lake, who okay. formerly worked as a news anchor for Fox Ten News in Phoenix, Arizona said she is, and I quote, running on a platform of common sense conservatism dedicated to individual liberties, low taxes, limited regulation, and protecting Arizona's great Western heritage. (laughs) The ongoing border crisis is nothing less than a national security and humanitarian disaster. I will not wait for Washington's approval 
or rely on the empty promises of faraway politicians to do what's best for Arizonans. After I take my hand off the Bible, we are going to issue a declaration of invasion. Jesus. We are going to finish President Trump's wall. Oh, my God. And we are going to send our armed National Guard to the border and stop people from coming across. She started off with, like, the sort of annoying, boring, mid-rate conservative, and I'm thinking, when's this going to start to suck? (laughs) And then it did. did it? And it didn't did. Take long. It did suck. Yeah, I hate then that. she just went straight for the border crisis. What a horrible person! She's going to mm-hmm. shoot fucking so refugees. Carly oh. Lake, bear her in mind. Then right. we get to her quotes later. Number two is Paola Tuliani Zen. Okay. And uh, in a uh, profile she wrote, "I, uh, your Republican candidate for Arizona governor, I am. I came from humble beginnings and am self-made." Okay. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Not, really? I believe your parents did that. <laughs> uh, when I lost my father at 14, well, that was careless. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's always in the last place you look. Did you look um, under the couch? When I lost my father at 14 and later lost my brother, well, that is really careless. Uh, you, haven't learned, uh, you haven't learned any life lessons, although she claims she did learn life lessons and develop job skills. I learned trades from the ground up and oh. rose in business to the managerial level in accounting, financial planning, marketing, leadership and sales. I don't think anyone should have that many roles. I think maybe you've been bounced around various roles by lying on your CV and being fired as a result. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. That's a lot of different fields. This is this is kind of a small business owner's um, um, resume, really. Yeah. Uh, through grit and determination, I led teams and got things done while still being a people person. Mm-hmm. I developed business acumen and learned how small business is the lifeblood of Arizona. I built, operated, and later sold La Dolce Vita Biscotti Company. Oh, I love Biscotti. Yeah, I do like She's she's my favourite so far, which continues (laughs) to this day in Glendale, Arizona. When I'm your new governor, good governance will return and so will prosperity. I'll donate my salary. This is all right. And we'll devote my time to job creation, traditional academics in schools, lawful immigration at the border, fighting child sex trafficking. There it is. Hello. Preserving (laughs) our gun rights. Hello. And our natural resources. You know. Okay. When we the, the bits that we don't shoot up, plus providing opportunities for all. So that's Paola Tuliani Zen. She okay, sounds so just Arizona style, normal. The small nod to QAnon, but like, yeah, that's actually not so not bad. So bad. So you know she's got no, she's got no chance of winning the primary. Yeah. yeah. Number three <laughs> is Scott Neely. In fact, three <laughs> of the four uh, gubernatorial primary candidates are women. So you know they're not from the Liberal Party. All right. Uh, number three, Scott Neely. I am an old. Ultra-conservative, multiple small business owner running for Arizona governor. I have self-funded my campaign thus far and would just like the opportunity to allow Arizonans, I don't know why there's an apostrophe there, you idiot, Scott, to get to know me (laughs) and understand my unique vision for Arizona. He's got a unique vision. I'm a blue-collared middle-class worker who wants to free the Arizona middle class. Okay, Okay. you're also a multiple business owner. What, have they been enslaved? Are you making them work and you're a small business there, Scott? What, motiv- what motivated me to run was the simple fact that the other candidates running do not understand what the middle-class life is like when middle-class workers are the foundation of Arizona. Being a part... He owns multiple businesses. He's not <laughs> He's working, not class. working class. class. He's not middle-class. Being a part of... Unless of, those businesses being suck. Being a part of the people and working beside them every day gives me a unique... You've used unique a couple of times here, Scott point of view. <laughs> I want to make Arizona a place where people have to work, play and live. Right now, people are bringing, okay. beginning to believe that their 
there, oh God, uh, only four Republican <laughs> candidates for governor. Samuel Litterer too, Scott. And it is my goal to change that and give them a different option, an option that involves me. I'm confident Ugh. that the media was not biased against people like myself without millions of dollars to spend yeah, right. on my campaign. I would receive exposure. He wants to expose himself. Don't do that, Scott. <laughs> and the people of Arizona would enjoy my perspective and what I have to offer them. Again, I am with yep. the people. And I am for the people, and I want to continue being for them if I am elected governor. So that's Scott. What He's a just boring a fucking bonehead fuck. fucking idiot. Yeah, he just he doesn't understand class. He doesn't understand class. You are the owner of the means of production. Yeah. So you can't be the worker no, class, mate. because you He's own the means. Petty bourgeoisie. Idiot. All right, number me. four, Aaron Taylor Robinson. She's the one with uh, the big the big plaudits on her. In fact, Ducey actually um, gave her a bit of a pump up as well. But Aaron Taylor ah, Robinson said during a campaign for the Republican primary nomination, Taylor Robson refused to say whether if she had been governor, she would have certified the results of the 2020 presidential election in Arizona, in which Joe Biden defeated Trump, as we know. She questioned the legitimacy of the election, asserting that the elections weren't fair and that, and I quote again, our election was absolutely not fair. Oh, okay, great. During her campaign, Taylor Robinson said that she would enforce Arizona's pre-row abortion ban, that's a trigger law, jail, which would criminalise the procedure yeah. uh, in most circumstances. She runs a small Great. business, which is easy to do because her husband is a billionaire. <laughs> of course. <laughs> you can sell whatever yep. tat you like. It doesn't matter if no one buys yep. it because your husband is a billionaire. That is like most of Mossman and Avalon. I swear to God you go in these stores and you're like, Someone's bankrolling this because you're bored. So that's who we've got. We've got we've got Carrie Lake, Paola Tuliana Zen, Tuliani Zen, and Scott Neely and Aaron Taylor Robinson. So during the debate, who said this? Two hundred thousand minimum ballots were trafficked by mules. And this is response to the 2000 Mules documentary. You made can by guess the contest. It's 2020 election. Dinesh D'Souza. So yeah. 200,000 minimum ballots were trafficked by mules. I'm just guessing Aaron Taylor Robinson. Oh. I'm afraid not. It was, in fact, oh. <laughs> former news anchor at Fox 10 News in Phoenix, Arizona, Kari Lake, right. who said, yeah, they were trafficked by mules. She's got that from the. The the video the movie I still haven't watched it yet I don't really want to though I, I just know it's crap it's just gonna be shit okay so quote <laughs> quote two so this shit. is a beauty why not get high tech people that are gonna be on the machines that are Republicans and Democrats Republicans get supervisors equal amounts so this was obviously a conversation like like the one with uh, with Kari Lake. Uh, conversation in the debate about uh, electoral fraud. And so someone has said, why not get high-tech people that are going to be on the machines that are Republicans and Democrats? And she says Republicans again, as if she hadn't hadn't said it quite enough. And then says, get supervisors. You know, equal amounts from each party is what she's suggesting. Or he, I should say. Or it could be he. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going with Scott then. 
No, it's not. It's not Scott either. Oh, this is terrible, Joel. No, it was, in fact, Paola Tuliani Zen. Oh, that was my gut until you said he. And this, then I was like, oh. by the way, already happens. You know, you get high-tech people. Yeah. Well, I mean, not high-tech people, but there are people from the Republican Party. There are people from the Democrat Just Party. people. There are supervisors. There are, there are electoral staff, and there are a, a partisan or party staff there, and they watch over things, yeah. and this happens all the time. All the time, every yep. election. Yep. So she yep. suggested Paola, who's you know we we decided is a pretty good candidate. Doesn't know a whole lot about the electoral process because if she did, she would have realised that that uh, what she's what she's recommending as policy is already happening in American elections. Yeah. All right. It is great. I love when they do, they, they do this all the time, especially with cookers in Australia. We, we need to have this, that, the other thing. We need to have people scrutinising the vote. In the do, voting room, do that now. and it's like do, do that they're now. called scrutineers. It's like a thing. Yeah. We, yeah. we do that already. It's a thing. It's like, well, why can't I go in there? It's like, well, you don't just rock up and call yourself a scrutineer, idiot. Yeah. It's a process. Yeah. Oh, but that's just stopping people like me from getting in there. Yeah, yeah. it is. That's it. Because you're a fucking you're lunatic. Allowed. Red velvet. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're you mad. You can't cross the red velvet line, I'm afraid. Ugh, Not with Jesus those shoes. Christ. All right. <laughs> Quote number three. Mr. Beauty 2. Why can't we treat human life? In the same way, we even treat alien life that we discovered on an alien planet. Eh? This is the most cooked thing. Okay. Uh, I mean, look, I'm guessing we're playing a game of elimination here and it's going to be a 50-50, but it might not be. Um, I'm going to go with the the Scott guy. Yay, Joe! Whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know that he won quite enough to be on a to be date no. mate by um, by uh, Brett Kavanagh, but uh, you did get a win yeah. after all of that. So yeah, Scott Neely. Yeah, we're treating people worse than the aliens that we've discovered on alien planets, and that's a disgrace. That is genuinely that's stupid. Got to stop. That's well, got to stop right now. I mean. That's just dumb. I'm actually surprised that he said that if I had to go blank, I would have gone with Carrie Lake on that one because she sounds completely insane. <laughs> but, um, I mean, they all sort of do, she's, really. What an absolute shithole yeah, estate. Yeah, once, well, at least, you know, she's worked at Fox 10 News. She's a newsreader, so she, you know, she can she can read. So that's, that's yes, something. Yes, well, that's good. But she's this. That is you know, good. This sort of made up sort of Barbie doll, like more mature age Barbie doll thing, you know, with this sort of shock of silver hair. She's quite alarming. Interesting. Um, I can only tell you that the Aaron Taylor Robinson with the with the billionaire husband is the most likely to win that primary. And because the of really the billion dollars. Well, her husband does have a billion dollars, which is an advantage, you know. Um, it is an advantage. And, and, and if he only had just the one billion and she decided to divorce him, well, she'd have 500 million. That's a good trot. Uh, but she's also been um, supported by Trump uh, and the outgoing governor as well. So, yeah. uh, if she's got the nod of Trump, chances are what's happened is the billionaire's given Trump a couple million dollars to say that. But, yeah, look, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Wouldn't it surprise me? Uh, absolutely wonderful stuff there, uh, Molly. Um, really enjoyed enjoyed it when you sent it through to me. I thought, yeah, we're going to do a special here. And that was all based <laughs> on the Arizona Republican gubernatorial primary debate. Beautiful thing. Beautiful thing indeed. Democracy, it works. These people vote. We fired you. We sacked you. We dismissed you as what? As garbage, because that's all you are. You're a criminal. You're a traitor. And you're going to the biggest barbecue in history. So from Christmas dinner to you are the dinner. 
Thank you. That's what I'll go with. Canberra and Subsit, Elvira Shagabutanova, who has a fantastic, <laughs> it's a fantastic name. name. It's, it is great. It is great. She's had a shit of a time over the past year facing the oh. ACT Magistrates Court for two sets of charges that were entirely her fault and completely unnecessary because she is an angry idiot. That's oh dear. Comes much more clear as this story goes on. The first instance was for three charges, including trespass and failing to comply with a health direction without a reasonable excuse, and she was eventually, right. after a lot of nonsense, fined $450. But in the hearing, right. body camera footage of the incident from police was shown to the court, and it was described as chaotic. Shagabonova said, My English not very good, but my English enough to understand my rights. Mm. Yeah. Is it, though? Yeah, it probably isn't. She appeared to film the police on her phone, asked for their names, textbook, and wanted them to answer a question. Am I a living woman? It's an easy answer. And the cop just said, you are, let's go, ma'am. But this is a sad bitch. She was there with her kids, and during this bizarre and pointless altercation, she was holding a crying child, which is, let's face it, classic subject behaviour, but still very sad nonetheless. A police officer told her, the only reason I'm not touching you is because you've got a child in your hands, otherwise you'd be in handcuffs. And that's why she had the child in her hands. Go on. Using the child as a shield. That's what they do. She finally left the store, still refusing to give her name, and she told police, you can call me living woman, that's it. (laughs) After authorities organised for her children to be transferred into the care of a family member, she was taken into custody for six days. Wow. But when she faced the magistrate's court, she claimed that she was a sovereign state and therefore could not be charged. Ah, an entire country. Yes, mm. yeah, just a sovereign state. I don't know how the, the mechanics of that work, but what I will say is that the legal strategy did not work. Uh-oh. Nova is Russian. Don't know if you guessed that. So an interpreter was provided. As she said, her English wasn't great, but this makes it so much funnier because some poor fucking bastard had to translate this insane bullshit from <laughs> Russian to English, but, like, with a straight face. If you start yeah. laughing, like, that's not that's, cool. That's the skill. That's you, the skill required of a translator, yeah. You can't laugh. So these are some of the great quotes from her. I'm not a person. You can't charge me as a person. Classic. Yeah, great logic. Is the judge here representing a person who's alive or is the judge representing the state? There's a conundrum. Oh, tricky. (laughs) Because she is a state. She's a country. I know. She she flip-flops on that And she's also a woman. Yeah. And we're not quite sure about that. Does the judge have the right to judge a person who's alive, a man or a woman? And that's a question, apparently. There's like an inflection there. Oh, fucking don't know. Is this court sovereign? If yes, please present the documents. Show us your days and titles. Days and titles, mate. Does the judge or the court have unlimited financial liability? Rob City would know that. I don't don't know what that means. (laughs) I missed that one. Rob would know. I don't know what it means. Yes, Rob would know that it's basically saying, look, if, if I... If I manage to, this is what I think it means. If I manage to sort of winkle a, a victory here yeah. <laughs> and sue the court, you know, how I much have you got? Out. How much yeah. you got lying around? I yeah. would like trillion dollars in gold, please. <laughs> yes, there you go. Mark the checkout to Bruce. So, so far at this point, the score is clearly subset zero, the man won. Yeah, definitely a zero. Fine, yeah. $150 fine, you know, general embarrassment, you know, sort of. Um, having your name dragged through the mud because you're an idiot. Shagabud Nova <laughs> was not done yet. This year, 
She got done for driving while suspended and then two <laughs> counts of assaulting a frontline community service provider Uh-oh. and three counts of resisting a territory public official. Mm. Now, I'm just going to throw it out there and say that I'm guessing the body cam footage would also be described as chaotic. Chaotic. Definitely chaotic. Lot going like, on. Very I'm, chaotic. I'm, I just want to know what the counts are. Like, what are the counts? Uh, I would love. I would love more of this story, to be honest. She was also charged with three counts of damaging property worth less than $5,000, which the court heard related to sunglasses, reading glasses, and a shoulder light. Oh, dear. I don't, I don't, I don't, know, what, I don't know what that is. I don't know what's going yeah. on there. I'm, well, I'm it, it's, it's not a physical. Oh, yes, no. That would involve, that would involve the, the assault of the front line. What did line. she do with the sunglasses and reading glasses? I'm going to say that that has to do with the, uh, the, the two counts of assault front line community service provider who wears sunglasses so. and reading glasses and has a shoulder light. Yes, had a shoulder light until whatever did, she did with it happened. Did, yeah. Did have a shoulder light. So Shagabud Nova was supposed to appear by audiovisual link from a remote room, but requested to appear in person. The matter was adjourned until the afternoon, where she apparently made a beeline for the back of the courtroom. Yeah, that's a soft city. Like she was brought up from the cells, just went straight to the back, and the ACT Corrective Service Officer said, what are you doing? And she just pushed past him. And then this is the description in an article. Took up a position deep in courtroom instead of at the bar table. And I, I, don't, I don't get it. If this is a soft-sit thing, I've never seen it before. It's, it seems insane. Oh, no, yeah, that, that's a, that is a soft-sit thing. They, 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 you know, and and, and it, it's actually one of those things where they say, once you enter a courtroom, that is a contract, that you've entered into uh, that contract yeah, with yeah, the yeah, court okay. themselves. Um, yeah, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, textbook stuff. So, yes, that's why she was reluctant to step up, essentially into the dock, but essentially yeah. up to the bar table. Because yeah. that's, that's acceptance, yeah. Um, yeah. Ironically, they send a lot of unilateral contracts and uh, they consider silence to be acceptance, but that's a whole other story. I won't go into it. The magistrate addressed the woman by her name and asked her to move forward so he could hear her, but Shagabad Nova, who declined legal aid assistance, mind you, and represented herself, just refused mm-hmm. to cooperate. Typical. And said, I'm not her. I'm not person at all. I am living woman. I mean, okay. <laughs> but this is great. So the magistrate then asked Shagabad Nova if she was going to apply for bail. And she just didn't answer. She just blanked him. The prosecutor is then like, we don't oppose bail if it's applied for. So Shagabad Nova carries on saying, I don't trust this court. And then basically the magistrate got the shits and said that she must be taken back to the cells to appear by audiovisual link. Good. Once he finished dealing with other cases. He just couldn't be bothered with the shit anymore. Right, so no, then yeah. later on in the wasting, remote room. Wasting everybody's time. Go away, sit in a cell for a while, think about it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But she's not Good done. This go. woman clearly has stamina. In the remote room later on, Shagabad Nova refused to sit in the chair and then again asked Mr. Lawton who he was speaking to, saying, are you talking to living living woman or fantasy? And the magistrate just replies, I'm talking to you, the person who is talking to me. I don't care what your name is. And then just straight up said, I want you to answer my question. Do you apply for bail or not? And then eventually Shagabad (laughs) Nova told the court she would not apply for bail. It was unopposed by the prosecution. She just chose not to apply for bail. All she had to say was, I would like bail, please. I would and like she bail, please. Okay. Go to jail. Granted. Here are some, here are some, and it would have been very modest conditions. Apply attached oh, to a bail. It's insane. But she just went, she, she would not apply for bail. And now she's been remanded in custody, jail. It was. Just the most bizarre thing. So, yeah, she her next date is in a couple of weeks. And um, 
I would say that's probably Sobs at zero, the man two at this point. Oh, yeah, that's a 2 0 beating. <laughs> that's a 2 0 thrashing. That is a 2 0. <laughs> Didn't apply for bail. Unopposed. Unopposed. <laughs> Fuck me. I, I still haven't worked it out yet. And if you haven't worked it out, keep asking the question and keep looking for the answers because it's irrelevant. Boris Johnson, otherwise known as Bojo to his mates, has resigned as PM, or at least so he says, because it's a very mm-hmm. odd sort of resignation that will have him in number 10 Downing Street until September, which is fucking yeah. ages away. Can so be as late as October. That's but ridiculous. They say they'll be able to get, get it done by September. What a half-assed resignation. So he's a caretaker PM, but not in a constitutional sense. He's still fucking PM. His advice, technically at least, must be accepted by the Queen, which throws up all manner of delicious scenarios that could be in the works. He could call for an election, for example. It's not very likely because, you know, may not go well. But it's just that he could. I mean, like he could do. He's a fuck- yeah. He's still the Prime Minister. And this sure. is the thing. I, I don't think we've heard the last of his, you know, sort of this resignation or, I mean, let's face it, the last from Johnson. Yeah, I just don't think I just don't think it's the last we're going to hear from Bojo. No. I mean, in this in this particular period of oh, his prime ministerial can life, can you call him Bojo? You mate to them? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah I am. Uh, yeah, well, you're not friends I'm, with Putin. But we'll talk about that. Yeah, now. no, that's right. No, but Johnson is the PM who got Brexit done. That's mm-hmm. what you know. Everyone was saying about that's the claim him to fame. after you know that he was the really the only man who could have done. Was that a good thing though? Brexit. It, of course, is the UK leaving the EU common market, and Dumb. that is the largest trading and economic block in the world that is literally 30 kilometres across <laughs> the English Channel. Just leaving, leaving that terrific idea. Idiots. There are economic consequences, of course. I mean, <laughs> it's a big trading partner to sever off with. <laughs> and while many of them haven't been as bad as predicted, you know, the whole thing of like, you know, truck lines going from Poland to London, what the UK can expect is a long duration of high unemployment due to cataclysmic shifts in the economy, low productivity, cataclysmic shifts in the economy, low wages as a result of all those things combined, and low economic growth once again. They're all, these are follow-on effects of each other. And it's going to be fucking dire for the Brits who weren't in a great position to start with. Particularly up north. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. And when Bojo resigned last week, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky said he was devastated. Oh, he's Johnson mate. had put himself forward as Zelensky's staunchest ally. He did. The Russian invasion sent Johnson into Churchillian speeches of support for the underdog. As a NATO partner, the UK under Johnson has dispatched weaponry and troops designed to help train the Ukrainian army. They're not fighting, but they're training troops yeah. from the UK. And this has made Johnson and Putin mortal enemies. Oh, oh, that's so sad because it wasn't always the case. I mean, this is the thing. Like, Bojo, we're mates now as well, he's the man who got Brexit done, <laughs> chief campaigner for the Leave case, and we need to go back to the 2016 referendum where all this happened to really determine the extent of Russian influence, there he is, and the use of black Russian money to bankroll the actual Leave campaign. I was really surprised to learn this. This is a great segment. Suffice to say, Bojo and Putin were a great deal closer back then. It's very sad. Mm. The truth is we may never know the extent of Russian influence on UK politics around that period. The Tory party, riven in two over Brexit, has ensured that it was not properly investigated to avoid further pressure on the party room. Mm -hmm. That was the Theresa May uh, view, and uh, it remains so under Bojo. uh, Because according to the UK Parliament's Intelligence and Security Committee, the UK government does not know and incredibly did not 
try to find out mm-hmm. what happened around 2016. Yep. There was a report in 2020, long delayed by Johnson, who did not want it made public. I bet. And it delayed it from becoming public for nine months in that year. Mm. Uh, and this, it was called the Russia Report. It's a 55-page assessment of Russia's malign interference in UK politics, produced by an independent committee of nine members of parliament from several political parties, including the ruling Conservatives, and the report became highly controversial because it's damning. It says that the government, this is the Johnson government, and prior to that, the May government, both Conservative governments, along with its intelligence and security services, and I quote from the report now, underestimated the response required to the Russian threat and are still playing catch-up, It asserts that, and I quote again, Russian influence in the UK is the new normal. The UK is clearly a target for Russian disinformation. Oof, that's not good. Now, if Russia did have a role in tipping the 2016 Brexit referendum, the report asserts that it was not through direct involvement in the voting process, which in the United Kingdom is done like it is here with paper and pencil and considered very difficult, therefore, to corrupt. Yes, well, you say that, but, like, you know, I'm sure that uh, Steve from One Nation would have an issue with it. Mike Lindell <laughs> would probably find issue. Uh, Donald Trump could probably check, find some big lies in there. Oh, they, 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 they love the idea of a pencil because they think it can be erased, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Isn't it so fucking stupid? That's exactly it, though. It's so, like, and it's true. Like, you know, the the... the the thing done with paper, Clive Palmer will probably tell you that, you know, someone put some votes in the back of someone's car. They didn't, though. No one ever does. It's ridiculous. It's 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 a good to see a solid, basic voting system. It's all good with what we've got. Yeah, paper and pencil. It works. Yeah, it works. Uh, <clears throat> but the report, the Russia report, leaves open the possibility that Moscow-based information operations, especially through social media and Russian state-funded broadcasters like Sputnik and RT, and backed up by a targeted support to influential voices within UK politics, may well have been a significant factor. Crucially, the UK government is accused of making a deliberate effort not to find out how Russian influence may have affected the June 2016 vote. This is all the more incredulous because the government admits that there was Russian interference in the 2014 Scottish referendum, declaring it the first time that Russia directly interfered in a Western election. 2014. Mm. The government also admits that Russia interfered in the December 2019 general election, and this information makes the lack of preparedness for 2016 and the subsequent general election three years later and lack of response all the more stunning. The report rightly calls for a thorough inquiry. The UK government under Boris Johnson has so far rejected that call. Well, it won't happen now. Yeah. It simply just won't happen, certainly not sense. under his leadership. Mm. The report also draws an unfavourable comparison between the United Kingdom and the United States on their revest- investigative responses to Russian meddling. It says Downing Street did not take action to protect the United Kingdom's processes, electoral processes, in 2016, and goes on, quote again, the committee has not been provided with any post-referendum assessment, in stark contrast to the US response to reports of interference in the 2016 presidential election. So the Yanks had Muller and and the Brits had nothing. And and so the report asked for a British equivalent, which would be a Royal Commission-type judicial inquiry into Russian interference into its 2016 referendum and, and its 2019 general election. As well as election interference and disinformation operations, the report 
cites a range of other ways in which Russia is engaging with the United Kingdom, some of which have a potential to be malign. Mm. Many of these focus on money and especially property in London. Anyone who knows uh, people who are living in London will tell you that (laughs) Russians are not very far away, certainly prior (laughs) to the invasion. London remains a popular investment for oligarchs with a historic connection to President Putin. The report says some of their illicit finance, and I'm quoting now, has been recycled through the London London laundromat, their term, mm. and comments on their connections to, quote, political figures, unquote, including potential violations of campaign fi- financing. And also notes that this has led to a growth industry of enablers, including lawyers, accountants, and estate agents who are wittingly or unwittingly de facto agents of the Russian state by not following UK law about property purchases. So I guess we've got to get back to this whole idea of why would Putin support Brexit? Now, there's a general view, and Joel, you and I can talk about it. Putin loves chaos in the West. That's what he loves. That's what he thrives on. So when we look at Syria, we were talking about this earlier this morning, when we talk about the Syrian civil war, for example, yes, Russia had interest in Damascus. Yes, Russia has a Mediterranean port supplied by the government of Syria, the Assad government of Syria. But it also was in the business of of wreaking as much havoc in Syria itself to create a wave of refugees, displaced persons leaving the country and going to Europe. And that caused all sorts of problems, political issues with great shifts to the right in places like Hungary and Austria and yeah. Poland in response to, you know, these you know threats, we've seen them in our own country, the sort of threats to immigration that sort of waves of refugees will cause. Absolutely. It's been a nightmare. So that's the first thing. You know, that's the first thing to note. Putin gets off on chaos. When there's chaos in the West... Putin's basically winning. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, he's done it to the States. Yeah, but then there are some specifics about this. I mean, Putin intensely dislikes the role of the EU as a supranational body of Western democracies. He was furious when the EU imposed sanctions on Russia after Putin's violent 2014 annexation of Crimea. Maybe it was you, Putin. Maybe you were the problem there. Maybe you were the dick. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing to think about with someone like Johnson, who clearly would have understood that Brexit would be a triumph for Putin, understood his interests were being served by this, and did it just two years after Russia has annexed Crimea. Yeah. Uh, Putin's foreign policy is easily summed up. Russia forward, America backwards, and Europe rent asunder, torn apart. Yeah. That's what he wants. And Putin also despised the EU Commission's uh, Competition Directorate using EU law to stop Gazprom, which is the Russian majority state-owned multinational energy corporations, monopolistic practices in EU energy supply chains. Yeah. Uh, And they didn't work. The truth of the matter is the EU didn't work hard enough there, but but at the same time they did work to, to try and prevent, you know, Europe had gone fat and lazy on cheap Russian energy. Yeah, and that's 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 what they've got a major problem with now. Mm-hmm. Anyway, if you didn't think there was money flying around from Russia into Europe, into into Europe, uh, Europe's politics, we know for a fact, and it's been acknowledged that Putin funded uh, other anti-EU politicians like Marine Le Pen in France. Common knowledge. The German right-wing populist party alternative for Germany was funded by Russia and the anti-EU Liga party of Matteo Salvini, 
and it was uh, similarly funded uh, by, by Russia, in yeah. part at least. And Russia being the source of donations to Le Pen or Salvini, it, it was, in a way, the continuation of a long-standing Russian practice since uh, since the revolution, really, mm, of providing okay. money for politicians and organisations which, which sympathise with Russian foreign policy objectives. Yeah, I mean, it's in their interest, right? I mean, they're going to do their interests. And, yeah. and again, experienced politicians like Boris Johnson know these things, Joe. That's, that, that is the thing. So I can't be that angry at Russia pursuing their own self-interest and doing it in a way that is underhand and unpleasant because that's yeah. the nature of things, blah, blah. I get it. I kind of get it. Yeah, I kind of get it. And there's this antagonistic relationship which they are trying to make the most out of by destabilizing people they, they perceive as being sort of enemy states or at least potentially neutral leaning enemy and doing it from the inside. Like, I mean, they don't need to start wars. They just need to pay off agitators. There's a lot of clout merchants. There's a lot of clout and- merchants in the UK, in UK politics who got, who, got a, who got a boost from Russian money and just never, never, ever um, have accepted it or been public about it. Totally. You've got Boykov, but like not only that, but like you've got this situation where they just have bot farms of influencers that are just yeah. creating this kind of like counter-narrative content yeah. that fucking idiots like Pete Evans share without actually looking into. Indeed. They're, they're fucking patsies for Russian foreign policy. They don't even realise it. Fucking morons. Yeah, they do. <laughs> Pete Evans is. You know, basically it really is. It's embarrassing. For, for, for Putin-style politics. Fucking moron. Uh, but now we get to the money, and that's where it really gets murky. Yeah, And one figure stands out, and that's an £8.4 million was the biggest political donation in British history. It wouldn't be the biggest in ours, by the way, but it is the biggest do- political donation in British history, £8.4 million made by Aaron Banks, an insurance salesman who claimed to be uneasy about immigration and who's opposed to British membership of the Euro- European Union. The money all went to the Brexit Leave campaign. That's a big amount. $8.4 million. $8.4 million. Is huge. And if that money came direct from banks, from banks' own bank account, then it was perfectly legal. Foreign donations to elections and referendum campaigns have to be declared and identified. So if yeah. it was Russian money, it had to be declared, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And this comes from one of the biggest failures of the 1997 Labor government, Blair government, uh, that just did not adopt uh, clear laws limiting political donations. Polit- political parties shouldn't be in charge of these things. No. Uh, electoral no. reform and funding laws, donation laws, <clears throat> because politicians will just say, we want easy money. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, like it's truth and advertising not laws. In their you know, that it's, it's not in their interest. Mm. It's disgusting. Yeah, so Britain failed to ban donations by rich individuals or rich trade unions who want to buy influence. It's still, yeah. these, these problems still exist. Of course. The trouble is that Aaron Banks the insurance salesman, company company manager, a company owner, didn't have that sort of cash lying around, not 8.4 million pounds. He had mm. been a, a donor to the Tories and did also give UKIP, the United Kingdom oh, Independence God, Party, 100,000 pounds for, for party funds. But this was different, you know, it's yeah. 8.4 million pounds. That's a lot of money. One of the companies he owned was insolvent and it's just like you just don't have this sort of cash. I mean, he's... Yeah. Got a few bob, but he doesn't have that kind of money to give away. Just sitting around. Yeah, and it's no—it's not disputed that banks, it's Aaron Banks again, uh, had close associations with the Russian government. His own published accounts of his involvement. He put a book out after uh, the Brexit referendum. His own published accounts you know, about the uh, Brexit campaign recorded meetings with the Russian ambassador Alexander Yakovenko. That's the ambassador to the UK, who's a close Putin associate. A Russian spy, Alexander Yudod, was 
tasked with getting close to Nigel Farage from UKIP and Aaron Banks. UDOD was expelled from the UK in 2018 following the attempted murder of Sergei Skripal in Salisbury. Mm, the Skripal killer came from the GRU, the Russian Military Intelligence Agency, headed up to 2016 by uh, Igor Sergan. Uh, he was a strong advocate of Brexit, not from any reasons of taking back control or other anti-EU arguments advanced over many years by British politicians and journalists of right and left. Mm. In evidence to the House of Commons Select Committee on Culture, Media and Sport, Banks and his associate, Andy Wigmore, will pop up a fair bit, denied any Russian connection. But Banks had been in Moscow and at least three business deals were offered at the Russian embassy or by Russian agents to the pair. Mm. They're often gold mines. They're allowed to invest in Russian gold mines and silver mines. Okay. The Russian ambassador and the spy Udod were invited to parties hosted by banks. By banks. Now, the Electoral Commission did refer banks to the National Crime Agency, but Theresa May, Bojo's predecessor as Prime Minister, did not order the intelligence agencies help provide evidence. So they can conduct an inquiry, the Electoral Commission or the National Crime Agency can, can conduct an inquiry, but they're flying blind because they've got they've got no assistance from intelligence. Yep. So Theresa May shut that down. She refused to accept that any question mark might be placed over the very narrow win for Brexit when 36% of the total registered electorate voted to leave the EU. Yep. Jeremy Corbyn has been a lifelong opponent of EU membership and had voted against every EU treaty in the House of Commons since 1983. Interesting. Scumbag. <laughs> With the arrival of Boris Johnson and a 100% Brexit cabinet, so he kicked out everyone. I think there were some 12 cabinet members who got the flick. The political establishment began to instinctively retreat from the notion that Russia may have influenced Brexit. Ooh. Everyone's just moving on, you know, yeah. here we go, we're going to deal with Brexit now because everyone voted for it. Yeah. Labor's new leader, Sakir Starmer, also wants to shut down Brexit, believing that to challenge it would alienate Labor red wall voters who voted who, who were voted out in 2016. Half of which probably regret their votes. Oh, sorry, who voted, who voted to leave in 2016. Yeah. Do we know what the red wall is? Do I need to explain that? Basically, I should, I suppose, that in the Midlands and going up to the northwest, that's what's called the Labor Red Wall. They save seats. And uh, Johnson in 2019 was able to bring it down. Yeah. And Brexit, everyone in these in these sort of Red Wall electorates voted to leave. Yeah. London had a very strong Remain yep. uh, response. But in, uh, in, in the north east of the country and in the Midlands in particular, essentially rural um, Britain with the, with the possible exception of the south of the country, uh, they, they voted in fairly large numbers to leave. Yeah, it was bizarre. In a book called Going Dark, the author Julia Ebner, who's a researcher at London's Institute for Strategic Dialogue, reports on Russia's internet research agency, a Putin trolling operation, that reached one in three Americans between 2015 and 2017 yep. when Putin tried to get Trump elected. There's no doubt about that. No, yeah. no, we can't even, we're not, we'd be silly of debating it. We just know that this happened. Totally. The Internet Research Agency set up 3,841 fake Twitter accounts to pump out Kremlin lines on Trump and also Brexit. The Russian state controlled TV station RT and link news agency Sputnik, based in Edinburgh, provided endless platforms for anti EU commentators, economists, and politicians. 
One of the things that I find quite alarming with the whole, like, you know, the origin story of this sort of bot farm, fake Twitter accounts, pumping out these Kremlin lines on Trump and Brexit is that they're self-perpetuating. So once you do this, you create new bots. But these aren't bots. These are people. But you just peel them. So many people on Twitter are so hard to tell whether they are bots or whether they are people. It is hard to tell. Because, yeah, I mean, but, but they I'm, have been touched by these bots. They didn't get made organically. They didn't come to these conclusions by themselves. They were brought to these conclusions by these campaigns. But yeah. now they are humans perpetuating this line for what was originally a propaganda campaign run by bots. That is such a crazy concept that you can recruit human beings to become your new army of bots once you release an army of bots. And they fucking share this stuff. They share it proudly and they will defend it to the death, not really understanding what any of it means. Have you ever looked at your followers and thought, I don't know, that guy and that guy's got a really... Dodgy-looking Twitter handle. Got a few recently. Yeah, I've got a few too. One with a Hindi one that made no sense at all. Yeah, one guy was looked like she was crypto, Japanese. One guy was a crypto character. I mean, they're almost yeah. certainly bots. Almost yeah. certainly bots. I have quite a few bot followers, I think. Yeah, meanwhile, the fate of Britons who supported Brexit and those who didn't has been settled, you know. Worst affected will be those who fell for Johnson's claims of economic and social freedom. Yes, yeah. they use those terms. Boris Johnson used that term, that Brexit was... Was freedom. Yeah. That was one of his claims. And, and those people who fell for that nonsense live in the areas where Brexit will hit hardest. Yeah. North of England, that those red wall areas. People actually voted kid. against self-interest. Oh, yeah. I mean, not surprised. Unemployment will rise in these areas. Worse, wages growth will slow. Economic growth will be restrained in those areas in particular. Yeah. And so by not uncovering the origins of that £8.4 million and not having any curiosity around who funded the Leave campaign, and not properly investigating it or calling for proper investigations that included intelligence agencies from MI5, MI6. By ignoring all of those things, it means we'll never know the extent of Russian influence on Brexit and what Johnson knew. Yeah. But what he what what he did know was that Brexit would play into the hands of Putin. He's not that he's not stupid. Yeah. He would have known that Brexit would be exactly what Putin was after. And these people, they're guided by self-interest above anything else because they're despicable parasites. Well, let's just get briefly to the numbers. Did Russia ultimately shape the outcome of the Brexit referendum? Given that the result was so close, that just one in 50 voters, one of every 50 voters, had felt differently when they entered the polling booth on June 23, 2016, the result would have been different. One in 50, two yeah. in 100. Mm-hmm. Kremlin operation could well have tipped the balance, you know. It's it, it's not something we're certain about, but we're saying it's possible. And the UK has absolutely zero curiosity about it. Yeah. Um, look, there have been other influences uh, that, that might have... Uh, that might have tipped things in the leave direction, of course, and we should probably acknowledge those in a sort of butterfly effect conundrum of sorts, a lacklustre Remain campaign bogged down by disunited opposition. God, they used to publish just reams of stats and data that was just so turgid and unreadable that, you know, it would have worn most people off. Uh, A government that miscalculated the risks. There just wasn't enough warning. The pro-Brexit British media, which basically was urging the departure. So there's another, there are other influences. And we're acknowledging that there are other influences besides just Russian black money and Russian uh, Russian 
propaganda. Yeah. But Johnson doesn't want the scrutiny and you know, didn't want it when he was Prime Minister and they'll never revisit this. And and But now he parades around as Putin's most devilish enemy. Yeah. Sure, he didn't see Putin's invasion of Ukraine coming. Yes, well. Some of us. But he was foreign minister when Putin's Russia forcibly annexed Crimea, which was the first stage in, in Putin's aggressive adventurism. First of many. Yeah. So Johnson knew what it knew the nature of the beast he was dealing with. Yeah. I think you're giving him a lot of credit to say that he was ignorant of the whole thing, but yeah, you know. Well, there's meetings with oligarchs. There's all sorts of things, Joel. There's, there's, uh, again, it was probably a step aside. Certainly Farage was just all over it. Yeah, yeah. Not surprised for a second. So we get back to that one in 50 voters. Had they changed their minds back in 2016, Putin would have been thwarted, you know, yeah. at least in that objective. His ambitions to break up the EU would have been vanquished. It's definitely his ambitions. Yeah. But instead, he was delivered a strategic victory, and the responsibility for that lies with Boris Johnson. Or Bojo to his mates. It has been a huge week of Pete Evans with pure blood Pete really taking the warning from last week to heart and putting in the hard yards to make sure this segment stays all about him. Good on him. Bless his heart. Sure, Zippy's been kind of funny this week. He's been learning how to Twitter and he's Twittering every little Sky News and Spectator article he comes across, you know, anything that piques his interest. He's had some utterly shit takes and his media diet is clearly actually toxic, but a fascinating look into what makes someone like him, him, you know, like what, what creates this awful beast? He's learning. Yeah. Yeah, he's learning how to be more shit. But old Zip's got nothing on Pete. I mean, Pete posts the actual good shit. And when I said he had to make me furiously upset to keep his spot at the tail of the show, I am fucking fuming. He has decided to show up and give me the utter shits. It's like he's listening. Fucking, I dread to think. There was a lot to choose from this week with Pete putting in his two cents through all his toxic telegram feed. But this one is my personal favourite quote, and this is from the man himself. You can't go to the snow for a ski without getting into the icy cold creek for a dip. Ooh, that's very proverbial of him. Yeah, don't. And for the record, cold water immersion, adequate sun exposure, here we go, and nutrient-dense food is way better for our immune system, not a doctor, than some poisonous concoction in a syringe created by a company for profit. And the only side effects from connecting to nature is more joy, more flow, and perhaps even a few more decades to have fun and generate love in this manifested reality. Peace, love emojis. Mm-hmm. Now, Pete, I'm just going to ask you this question here. You masochistic fuck. What is with you and pointless self-harm? I'm just going to give you this for the record. You absolutely can go to the snow for a ski without getting into an icy cold creek, you crazy fucking idiot. Yeah, you don't have to do that. It's not even that beneficial. You know what's really funny about the side effects you're talking about here? In studies, they have seen that the side effect of going for icy cold baths can Mm. be death. Yep. Shock. We don't mention those, do we? Because we're just obsessed with this idea that everything is fine and whatever you do is horses and fucking rainbows. So let's just go back to that record again. Cold water immersion, if you want to go down that path, 
has a cumulative effect on immunity, which is menial at best. One of the few studies that actually showed an improvement in immune response from infection was a Dutch study to sports center that combined several different elements in the same study, so it's very hard to say where they correlate, and daily cold baths are only one aspect. What Pete is more interested in is the sales pitch from the Wim Hof method, this fucking uh. Dutch show pony outdoorsy guy that makes these absurd claims based on all the shit he does, like going and walking in cold places and having ice baths and being a bit of a prat. But of course he sells people this dream of wellness, mostly through personal suffering because, I mean, he's Dutch. That's what the, the, the Dutch are fucking like. It's strange. Just it's selling the Dutch dream is weird. Just for some Uros. So going for a cold swim isn't going to make you Superman, Pete. It's just not how it works. I'm sorry to break your dreams, but it fucking isn't. It's mostly going to make you feel cold, but let's not get in the way of this sort of feel-good platitude and this sense of fucking enlightenment crap that you've got going for you. Do you reckon he's going to start flogging stuff? Ice bars and what have you? Oh, no, he already – well, he was, yeah. I mean, like – he just needs a Pete Evans method. What's that going to be? Eat liver and, I don't know, share conspiracy memes. Mm. Guy's a fucking flog. This is the thing that really shits me, and this is what really hurt me about this quote, is that it always has to come back to the vaccine. Like, why are you so fixated on COVID-19 vaccines? Just move on. Like, I guess you do think it's going to kill everyone on planet Earth, but that's just because you're an idiot. I mean, like, you know, like, yeah, yeah, what can you do? But, like, here's a fucking newsflash for you, Pete. Vaccinated people can swim in cold creeks too. I know this is like comes as a shock to you. <laughs> vaccinated people, I mean, maybe us excluded, often eat nutrient-dense healthy food. Yeah, that's not me. But why do you like this, Pete? It makes no fucking sense at all. Vaccinated people do all these things. Some of them don't even wear sunscreen. That'll make you very happy, you fucking idiot. And speaking of the Dutch, old Pastor or Pete over here is all about the farmers oh, again. Oh, yes. Pushing the disinformation trope that the Netherlands are shutting down farms to meet climate goals. So one of the tweets he posted reads this. The Netherlands is one of the largest exporters of food in the world. Not really. Dozens of farms are being shut down in the Netherlands to meet climate goals. They are literally creating the food crisis. There have been protests in Southern Holland over reductions of cattle, Joel. Yes, they have. Uh, And they've got very, very messy with uh, (laughs) with farmers driving tractors through police cordons and Shots were fired last week. Shots were fired, yeah. Yeah. It's going pretty heavy. But one thing we have to clarify here, of course, his tweet is lazy as fuck. Not to meet climate goals. It's not about climate goals. What it is, is to reduce the insane amount of pollutants that are being emitted next to nature reserves in the Netherlands. You remember acid rain? That's this. This is acid rain we're talking about here. Farmers in the Netherlands are up in arms because they want to keep making money and not be interrupted by pesky environmental concerns, things that don't affect them directly, but they directly impact themselves. This sort of back and forth has been going on for ages. It's not even just now. It's been going on since 2019. It's just recently hit the headlines because, well, let's face it, shots were fired. But recently it's also been picked up by CCP bots, as we were speaking about before, but this time with the Chinese Communist Party, maybe Russia as well, but this one didn't mention that trying to push his disruptive narrative into gullible conspiracy circles in the West. And it's fucking worked because idiots like Pete love this kind of outrage porn. And it's even better than a cold swim. It wakes them up, makes them feel alive again. Fucking morons. The truth is the Netherlands has some of the most dense farming in the world and it is fucking with nearby nature reserves and poisoning the soil. And while the emissions from farming in the Netherlands is an issue, it's not about emissions, Pete. 
This mm-hmm. is about Dutch farms that are near protected nature reserves and the government in the Netherlands are prepared to spend 24 billion euros to help farmers Ooh. comply with regulations or move their operations away from these sensitive ecological areas. But just like our very own Aussie battler farmers that Pauline would fucking die for if she could, they hate having to share the land with nature and they resent change. These people are inherently conservative and mostly cunts. Some farmers will have to move and that can be a serious issue with these generational farms holding sentimental value. But I'm sorry, your family pride isn't more important than the fact that you absolutely, objectively destroy the environment around you, which happens to be making ecosystems completely collapse due to this sort of heavy industrialized farming that you practice. You can't fucking do this. Nitrogen oxide pollution causes algal blooms that destroy marine ecosystems, but you're not a fisherman, so you don't care. Invasive grasses that thrive and overtake other food crops that you don't grow, so who gives a fuck? And soil and waterways are destroyed by this leaching into them. It causes respiratory problems in people who are just nearby. It makes acid rain for fuck's sake. But come on, Pete. Don't pretend that you give a fuck about Dutch farmers. Because you <laughs> yes, absolutely that's, that's don't. That's the theme for me. Name one. Name one, you fucking you absolute lying swine. You're just addicted to manufactured anger porn from bot farms that play on your obsession with counter narratives and you just seek to destabilize Western democracy by manipulating smooth brain people like you to turn you into disinformation spreading zombies. It's disgusting and you're complicit. You are such a part of this and you are pathetic for being so. You claim to be all about the environment. Look at you with your fucking peace, love, rainbows and your grassland. You live in fucking paradise because no farmers are around destroying the soil. And I honestly believe that you do care about the environment in your tiny brain. But then you spread this bullshit mindlessly because climate change is a Jewish conspiracy to destroy the world. The farmers are suffering as a result. Pete, you are a bootlicker of the worst kind. You're a mindless shill for actual propaganda campaigns. And it would be a concern if you were relevant. But thankfully, no one gives a fuck about what you think and haven't for some time. (laughs) Top work though, Pedro. You managed to keep the weak in Pete Evans about you. Because you are such an insufferable cunt. Well done, Pete. Well done, with Pete. With dog shit politics and this undying love for amplifying bullshit that you stayed at the end. Well done. Just, I'm, I'm proud of you. Top Fucking work, proud. Pete. Top work. Top, Top work. work. And you have been listening to the Conditional Release Program with your host, Jack the Insider and Joel Hill. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. And if you've enjoyed our bullshit, throw us a five-star review on your podcast app. Jack can be found on Twitter on at Jack the Insider and Joel on at Crunchy Moses with a K. If you're a bot, please follow me. We've set up a Facebook page. You can find fairly easily. Promoting your podcast is, however, easier said than done. Mm-hmm. If you would share this episode or maybe get your mates who are bots to do it or a past episode or whatever, just share our shit. It helps a lot. We see you do it. We love you doing it. And we file your name away in the friendship pile, but everyone else is filed in the cunt pile we don't like. <laughs> the Patreon is up and running. And we ask listeners, you know, even from the cunt pile, uh, to consider throwing <laughs> a few dollars our way. We will take you. If you come from the cunt pile into the Patreon pile, you become the god pile. There's a lot of piles involved. But for as little as $5 a month, you have access to all sorts of bonus content, which we painstakingly make and I don't edit. If you give us even more money, you get a whole bunch of other benefits, more access to us for some weird reason. You might like that, parasocial relationships. You could even watch us to call the show. There is an option for that. There's a whole thing. But if we get to a 1,000 patrons, this is a milestone. We promise Jack will fly to Russia in a T-shirt that says, 
Puck Futen on it and record his violent arrest on Facebook Live. And do you get it? Like Puck Futen? Yeah. It's like, it's, it's like fuck it took Putin. took me ages to figure that out. On, uh, on, the, on the T-shirt. It's, it's yeah. written on the T-shirt. It's, feed it's funny. Me, feed me Novichok. Because uh, <laughs> I am banned from Russia. Yeah, and we love the grift. Slow. It's just that we're not as good at it as the cookers are. Help yeah, us. Well. We're morally conflicted. Yeah, see, I'm not morally conflicted in any way, shape, or form. I'm currently courting a new advertiser selling Trump-themed crypto that's guaranteed to make you rich, <laughs> virile, and incontinent. Join up at patreon.com slash the conditional release program. I tick two of those three boxes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and finally, all feedback, tips, and death threats should be sent to the conditional release program at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you, even if it's to tell us about your experiences with government cheese and living in vans. We love listener stories. Send them over. Tell us about it. Tell us about it, guys. Especially Thanks, listeners. Government cheese. Mm, it's orange for a reason. <laughs> Thanks, listeners. See you next time. See you, guys. I don't think I ever want to talk to any of those people. Fuck me! You guys are bastards!